Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, 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 and welcome back to today's podcast. I'm so grateful you are here. Today, we are talking all about the three big mindset shifts that parents should at least consider making to help their picky eater. So we're going to dive into that and kind of dig through some of those. I'm excited to chat about that. Uh, Before we do that, I want to say thank you to everyone who's taken a second to write a written review about this podcast and how it's helped them. It means so much to me. I read every single one. In fact, some days I go back and reread them because they really do keep me going, um, keep me focused on who I'm here to help and how I can help you. And um, I read them out loud to my husband, all the things. So thank you to those of you who have already done that. If you haven't yet left me a written review, no matter where you're listening, if they have a written review option, it would mean so much to me, um, not only in keeping me going and all those things, but it's actually the very thing that different podcast platforms use to decide whether or not they show my podcast to more people and more families like yours. So if I've helped you in any sort of way, that is the best thank you, the best compliment that you can leave. Um, And the future families who find me and use this to help their families become stronger at the table and overcome pick eating, thank you too for doing that. So thank you. And um, yeah, I guess without further ado, we can go ahead and hop into today's episode. So I wanted to talk about these mindset shifts because Sometimes they're the most powerful part of my table talk program um, that not only teaches you like the nitty gritty down in the dirt, like details of how to help a picky eater, different strategies to use, different tools to use, but there's also some high level work in there as well for parents. And sometimes I feel like it goes in waves what's more helpful to different families, but I get a lot of feedback from people saying, oh my gosh, that changed everything for me. Shifting my mindset on that, thinking through that, you made such a great point about you know, X, Y, Z being the real root of picky eating or how I can help my little one, or I didn't realize that this behavior was pointing to that. And sometimes it's more about our like mental shifts and how we're thinking about something, how we're viewing something, how we're experiencing it at the table. That is actually where some of the work needs to be done in order to best help our picky eater. And you know, the best way I can kind of give an example of this is we, we kind of have to like get out of our own way, like take our foot off the brake to keep going. Sometimes we're the thing in the way. Like we don't like to think that way, right? Like I don't want to think I'm in the way of my kid doing X, Y, Z. But in reality, that's very true. In fact, I had this happen with my son, my first son, when he was a toddler, you know, trying to learn new things. And I would drop him off at daycare. There was a period of time where he was going to daycare regularly. And I remember walking in and, you know, you like peek through the windows to see what they're doing. And I'm seeing him like picking up his toys and putting them away and whatever, like doing multiple different things, like getting up on the stool and washing his hands and turning on the sink and getting him his own soap and then washing his hands and then turning off the water and drying his hands. And I'm watching him do this in awe. Okay. Like completely in awe. And I walk in and I talk to the teachers like, oh my gosh, I had no idea he could do that. (laughs) I had no idea he could do that himself. Meanwhile, at home, I'm like bringing the stool over for him and helping him get up on the stool and turning on the water and bringing the soap over and spurting it into his hands. Like I was the one in the way. I was doing it for him so that he couldn't actually learn how to do it at home on his own. And that was such an eye-opening moment for me as a parent because 
I didn't know what kids were capable of. We we're kind of like one of the oldest in our friend group to have kids. Um, like we have the oldest kid in our friend group. And I didn't know what a two-year-old was capable of. I had no idea until I had my first. I think that's pretty common for most parents. And sometimes it was just me realizing, oh, it's not about him learning more or him doing the thing. It's about me getting out of the way so that he can rise to the occasion. And I think picky eating can be like that too. So that's not one of the mindset shifts, but although it probably should be, but I think this is just a reminder why this is so important and why the mindset stuff of how we approach the table, how we come to the table is so, so powerful. Mama, I see you. You're tired of making different meals and crossing your fingers that tonight might be the night where they actually try those veggies. You're so tired of putting things on the plate just to watch them not get touched. Maybe you're even feeling stuck in a never-ending cycle of bribing, begging, bargaining to get your little one to eat. Maybe you feel like they wouldn't eat anything unless you count down their bites or even feed it to them. I bet you're even worried that they're just not getting enough and certainly not enough of the things that you know that they need. You're not sure that they're reaching their full potential living off pizza and goldfish crumbs. You're ready for a change or else you might just throw in the towel altogether. Maybe you're feeling like you're at your wit's end with picky eating and feeling like nothing will work. You need a plan to finally beat picky eating and get back to enjoying meals again. If this sounds anything like you, then this program was literally made for you. Table Talk is the picky eating program that works. It's the program that teaches you to be your own feeding expert because at the end of the day, you know your child best. And feeding kids shouldn't be this hard. Picky eating can take over your life, feeling like every meal is worse than the last. It's time to reclaim your kitchen and actually start enjoying meals together. Table Talk is a targeted program that teaches you the strategies and methods that kick picky eating to the curb for good. Take it from Lola, who's a mom of a little one who she was ready just to throw in the towel altogether about picky eating, but then she took Table Talk, and at the end, she said, since taking Table Talk, my daughter's foods, likes, and loves is over 100. Can you imagine what it would be like for your little one to like or love over 100 foods? Throughout the Table Talk program, you'll learn how to get them to eat more variety and new foods, make sure that they're eating the right amount, and finally have peaceful meals again as a family. You'll learn how to stop pressuring them to eat and what to do to encourage them without pressuring. Plus, you will feel confident at the table knowing that everything you're doing is leading to raising a healthy, happy, and independent eater. All right, you can click the link in the description box below to enroll in Table Talk today. And when you do that, you will also get my Demystifying Desserts mini course completely for free. This course teaches you how to take desserts off the pedestal and put them back where they belong and end the obsession with sugar. All right, click the link in the description box below to get started today. The first one that I wanted to talk about uh, around picky eating and specifically about our children and their hunger and fullness is that we don't know. We don't know when they're hungry. We don't know when they're full. We don't know how much food they need. Um, we don't know if they're telling the truth when they say they're hungry or they're full or uh, they don't want any food, whatever that might be. We don't know. And I think so many parents, it's it's so easy, right? Like we can read our kids better than anyone else. We can see it on their face before they ex before they let us know that they're upset. We already know, right? Like we're so in tune with them. And if you're anything like me, you're around your kids a lot. 
you learn their little cues, their language. Like they might even be able to say something and only you understand it. Like grandparents don't know what they're saying. People at the park don't understand what they're saying, but you know exactly what they need. And so it can oftentimes feel like we know them so well. Of course we would know when they're hungry. Of course we would know when they're full. Of course we would know how much food they need. It's just not the case. There's no physiological way. There's no possibility for us to know how hungry our little one is. And we might understand when they're having a temper tantrum situation, like meltdown hanger situation is happening to them. We might look at that and go, oh, they're just hungry. Like their blood sugar is really low, right? Or their blood sugar is really high, whatever it is. Uh, we might be able to identify that. Um, there's no way to know for sure. But usually as parents, we can be like, oh, man, if they would have just eaten their lunch, they wouldn't have broken down like that. And that's probably true. But when our kids say, I'm full. I'm all done. I don't want any more. My belly's full. And then like push it away at the table and say they're all done after taking a bite. Our instinct is to go, there's no way you're full. There's no way that you don't have more room in your belly. You need to eat more, right? And so it brings out these kind of like what I call pressure techniques to get us to try and get them to eat because surely they're still hungry for more. So we will say things like three more bites, uh, take a polite bite. You just need to try it. How do you know you don't like it? How do you know you're not full? You're not going to have food anymore. You have to sit at the table until you finish your dinner. You can't watch TV. You can't have ice cream until you finish your plate, whatever. We'll use these more like pressure techniques, the bribing, begging, pleading, guilting, um, pressuring our little ones into eating because we think they're still hungry, because we think um, we know how hungry or full they might be. And so this is a mindset shift because once we recognize that we can't, in fact, feel how hungry or full they are, we give that back to them. And then they're in control and they're in the power seat of how hungry or how full they are, which means that we get to educate them on how to communicate that and how to bounce back when they get it wrong, because they're going to get it wrong. They're going to say they're full when they're not. They're going to say they're hungry when they're not. And they're going to have to experience what that is like in their body. And as parents, of course, I feel like, especially for me, I just, I want everything to go perfectly. Like I want them to eat enough, but not too much. And I want them to not skip meals so that they're not hangry and they don't have meltdowns. And I'm always worried about getting like the right amount of food and the right amount of balance. And I would love for it to be perfect. It's not perfect, right? It's not perfect. And they're going to get it wrong. They're going to experience what it feels like to eat too much sugar and too much of one type of food that makes them feel sick. They're going to experience what it feels like to be hungry and not have uh, food accessible. At some point in their life, they're going to learn this. And the earlier that we can start communicating to them or educating them on how to communicate their needs and how to communicate or interact with their own body to know when they're hungry, when they're full, what type of food they need, how much of that food they need, the better. And oftentimes this is innate in them, but we need to continue to reinforce it and encourage them to continue to trust their body. Because once we start telling them that they can no longer trust their body, it's really hard to build back. In fact, if you look at your own life, you might even have this in your life that you feel um, like you can't trust your body to tell you when you're hungry or when you're full or what types of foods you should be eating. And so maybe you have that broken trust with yourself and then you start to mirror it onto your kid and say, there's no way you can know how hungry or full you need to be or you are or what foods you need to be eating because I can't even do that, right? And so then we start to take on this like coach role, uh, the parent role of let me tell you how much to eat. Let me tell you when to eat. Let me tell you all these things, right? Uh, versus teaching them to trust their own body and learn how it's communicating to them and empower them in that, we want to strip that away from them. And not intentionally, right? <laughs> but that's essentially what we end up doing. Um, and so recognizing that we don't actually know how they're feeling is step one. Step two is getting out of their way. <laughs> step three is handling it with grace and empathy when they get it wrong, because they will get it wrong, and continue to empower them 
to be able to communicate with their body to know what they need and when. So that's uh, mindset number one. Mindset number two um, that we kind of need to shift as parents are our expectations. So this goes right along hand in hand with the first one, but how much we expect them to eat, what we expect them to eat, how long we expect it to take for them to try new foods. Having expectations, um, the only way that I can like picture it in my head is <laughs> I used to do a high jump in middle school. Why? I don't know because I was tall and someone told me to do it. So I started doing it, but it's kind of this idea of like high jump, right? We set our expectations high and we think, oh, surely they'll rise to this occasion. They'll just, they'll come and hit it, right? But when we set our expectations too high, it oftentimes stresses us out and we go, I, there's no way I can do that. And we just feel defeated already, right? And we miss the mark. And when we miss the mark, we as parents tend to not lower the expectations, but we try to raise them up to meet those expectations. And so what that oftentimes leads way to is when there's a gap between what we expect them to do around food and what they're actually doing, we feel the need to get them to rise to our expectations. Like, no, 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 you have to make it up here. You have to do this. You have to jump higher. You have to do more. You have to whatever. And so in relationship to food, that means we start to use pressure techniques. We say, hey, I wanted you to try broccoli tonight. So I'll give you a dollar if you try this broccoli. You can have some ice cream if you eat all your broccoli. You can, you know, uh, stay up late if you finish your plate at dinner. Um, Whatever that might be, we start to use these pressure techniques to get our kids to eat. And it might work in the moment, right? And in fact, that's part of my story. It did work in the moment. Telling my kid, eat three more bites, then you can go play at the play place at Chick-fil-A or whatever did work. He took the three bites. It was no problem at first. But over time, it got harder and harder to get him to do what I wanted him to do so that I felt more comfortable and so that he met my expectations at the table. And I had to like increase the bribe. Like he got more for doing less over time. And if that's you, you're not alone. It can feel like you're digging a bigger and bigger hole. And that's just true because we set these expectations. So it's hard to say release all expectations, do nothing. Like we're never going to fully be able to do that. But if you can get yourself to realize when your expectations are too high for a toddler, it can be so helpful in actually getting them to um, feel more prepared in performing for lack of a better word at the table. Um, You know, back to the high jump, when your high jump bar is way too high, there's no way you're going to do it. You already feel defeated. I'm already feeling overwhelmed. I'm going to walk up to or run up to that high bar and I'm going to miss because I already know I'm going to miss versus putting that bar a little bit lower, setting those expectations lower. It becomes like, oh, that's actionable. And then I start to like build confidence and do a little bit more and do a little bit more and start like rolling with it versus starting with those expectations too high, feeling defeated and constantly feeling like a failure. And ultimately that's how our kids can feel at the table when our expectations are too high. So shifting our mindset around what our expectations are, are they realistic? And what are we doing when our kids don't hit those expectations? How are we handling that? Are we expecting them to continue to rise up and do more and trying everything we can to get them to do that? Or are we saying, hmm, let me reassess my expectations and change this around a little bit. I want to hop in real quick and take a second to thank the sponsor of today's podcast, Dino Bars. Dino Bars are all organic fruit and vegetable bars that are wrapped in edible paper. Yes, you heard me right, edible paper made from potato starch. And what that means for you is that you can get all the benefits that come with a fruit and veggie forward bar without the mess. Insert praise hands here. 
but seriously, I was really skeptical about these bars. I thought they were going to be another kind of sticky, gooey mess that my littlest ones had trouble chewing. They're not like that at all. The kids love them, but I love them too. Not only because they taste delicious, but they have simple, balanced ingredients that make for a great option for nutrition on the go. Click the link in the description box below and use code Alyssa10, that's A-L-Y-S-S-A, the number 10, for 10% off. And don't you dare get a pack without my absolute favorite flavor, purple sweet potato raspberry. Okay, now back to the show. And then number three is how you were raised. This one comes up so frequently, I cannot even tell you. So many parents saying, I was raised at the table by having to finish my plate, sitting there until I finished my plate, uh, feeding it to the dogs so my parents wouldn't see. I was told that I was, you know, um, hurting starving kids in Africa if I didn't eat my broccoli. I was reprimanded. I was punished. I was um, only given sweets and desserts when I earned it by eating different foods. I used food as reward. When I did well at school, I got to go out for ice cream. Um, So many parents inside Table Talk starting to reflect on how they were raised around food at the table when they were picky themselves and recognizing if they do or don't want to pass that on to their kid. And sometimes, if you're anything like me, parenting can um, sneak up on you and take a lot of your experience um, or take rather take a lot of your time and effort, right? And so we don't always have a lot of margin to learn new things, to try new things, to do new things. Things kind of pop up out of nowhere where you're like, I don't know how to handle that. So I'm just going to do my best right now. And as parents and as people, we're fixers, right? We want to fix it in the moment. And instead of taking a moment and a breath and saying, I don't know how to handle this. So I'm going to take my time think through it, sleep on it, talk it out with other people, learn some different strategies and then decide what aligns with me. And then I'm going to implement that. Instead of doing that, we typically just say this problem rose up and I just want to like whack a mullet back down, right? Like I just want to quickly fix it. And when we want to quickly fix something, we typically just reach into our pocket and whatever's there we use. So typically that means however we were raised, right? That's why sometimes we'll say things that we're like, oh my gosh, that's my mom coming out of my own mouth. Oh my goodness. I remember my mom saying that to me, right? It's because we're panicked. We're in a rush. We're making quick decisions to handle a problem that feels urgent in the moment. And the only thing in our tool belt is what our parents passed on to us or what we saw a friend doing. We haven't really taken time to step back and go, okay, how do I want to handle this? And a lot of parenting feels urgent. Like if I don't fix this now, this is going to become a habit forever. I mean, Maybe I'm alone in that, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. It can feel so urgent and like I need to fix it. Otherwise, this is going to keep popping up and it's going to get worse and they're going to get used to it. And I'm going to spoil it. And blah, 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 right? We like go on and on. When in reality, there is time for us to step back and be like, hmm, they didn't finish their plate or they stopped eating a food that they used to love or they're no longer coming to the table during meals. How do I fix this? What are my options? What's out there? How can I learn different tools to have in my tool belt? So that when I'm prompted with an issue, I know how to handle it and that that way to handle it aligns with the type of parent I want to be, right? And aligns with the type of kid I want to raise to then one day even potentially become a parent. And I know that feels like a little extreme for like a kid not eating broccoli, but in reality, that's how we, that's how we grow independent eaters, right, is by being intentional with our words and our actions and our repetition and um, being consistent with 
our kids. That's how we grow that is by being intentional. And a lot of times we just want to like play whack-a-mole and fix the problem that comes um, up. And when we do that, we typically rely on how we were raised as kids and we use that. And sometimes we were raised as kids so horribly or so traumatically that we actually use that as a bouncing point to say, I'm never going to do that. So we swing to the complete opposite direction. Say, I'm going to do the exact opposite of that. And even if you think you're not parenting based out of how you were parented, it actually still is because you're being so far repelled from that way of being parented that you're now making a decision still rooted in how you were parented. Does that make sense? And so it's really takes some time to witness and, and recall and remember how we were parented around the table when we were picky or when we were refusing meals and then recognizing how we want to use or not use those same techniques and pass it on to our kids and recognizing that our kids are different than us, right? Like my seven-year-old son responds very differently to a phrase that my mom used to say to me than I used to react to it, right? Like everything in his life is so much different and we're just different humans. So recognizing too, that each kid is going to use, need something different from you likely. Um, and just really building out that tool belt. And that is why, this is the analogy that I always use for Table Talk because Table Talk, my self-paced pick eating course, gives you a tool belt full of different tools and strategies. In fact, this is the number one thing I hear from parents who have taken other courses in the past is that it was a lot of mindset, a lot of high up kind of, uh, impra- not impractical, but um, kind of like, yeah, like mindset-y ideas around pick eating, but not like the nitty gritty in the dirt hands-on experience. And that's why I do both inside table talk and also say, Hey, fill up your tool belt so that when your kid won't come to the table, you have like a myriad of tools and strategies to use to help your little one come to the table. When your kid decides that they no longer like a food that they have eaten for years or they won't eat or touch a vegetable in weeks or months or years even, you know what to do. You know how to handle it. You have several different tools, not just one tool that you're grabbing for to quick, like do a -a whack-a-mole. You can actually say, okay, here's the problem at hand. How do I want to address it? Where is this going to lead us? And then you trial and error. So Hopefully this episode was helpful for you. If it was, don't forget to leave a review um, or even share it with a mom friend. I would be forever grateful and I will catch you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at Alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.